Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast for Black Women Connects Vancouver. Girl, you know it. So I'm the founder of Black Women Connects Vancouver, which started in 2017. And Black Women Connects Vancouver is a collective of women who come to inspire, empower, and leverage our strengths and embrace our diverse experiences. It is a community where we can build meaningful relationships and celebrate the beauty of our Black womanhood. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of Girl, You Know It. I am your host, Vanessa. I'm Natasia. And I'm Elle. And on today's episode, we have our wonderful guest. But before we get to our guest, today we'll be talking about motherhood and everything that comes with it um, from, you know, our guest's perspective. But we'll also be putting in our two cents, even if I'm not a mom, okay? I'm here. I'm ready. Um, but yeah, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Sia. Can you introduce yourself to everyone? Yes. Hey, I am Sia Forio. I am a mother and I also co-created um, Mom Let's Talk and I'm also an actress and everything you can think of in the entertainment industry. That is me. You know, when you see someone that's like, I'm an actor slash voice actor slash that person slash that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, multifaceted. I like it. I love it. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm so excited to be here and see all your lovely faces. Oh, there's something about, you know, Black women and Black African women getting together that's so empowering. And um, I love it. I love it. And it feels like you're, you're near me, even though you're so far away. So I'm feeling the energy, feeling the vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, so we, as we talked about, we're going to talk about motherhood. So I guess first question first, did you always want to be a mother? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just came out of my mouth. I don't have a question. So Wasting like, no time. <laughs> didn't even finish the question. So first question, no. <laughs> No, um, I didn't always want to be a mother. Um, uh, It's also because of my, because I was born in Sierra Leone, fled during the war, like all that sad stuff and whatnot, and then came to Canada as a refugee. So for me, uh, seeing the struggles my parents went through, I, my whole thing was like, I'm going to make money like Oprah. And then after that, I was like, I will have my own child. And my whole thing was like, I don't, you know, I could have in vitro. I I knew that there was something I was like, I could adopt. Like, I just wanted to make money like Oprah first. That was my thing, because I understood that that would take away all the struggles. Uh, So that was my whole thing. Everything I did was always like work, 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 just to save money, go to school, finish school, go to another school. So yeah, that was a, that was a thing. And then (laughs) <laughs> surprise surprise I became a mother <laughs> was that did that throw off your the way you wanted your life to be like you just said like I wanted to do this this and this and then you became mom did it throw you off or it was actually just a natural progression of okay this is what I actually thought it was going to be or how did you kind of approach it so it did throw me off because so what happened was I was in Los Angeles and uh, I was uh, waiting on my visa to be renewed when Trump came into power. So my um, my lawyer said, you know what, you need to go back to Canada. And I was like, oh, wow, I haven't been to Canada in like over four or five years. 
So let me pick the place that has the least amount of black actresses and go and like work there. Then my mind, I was like, I'll do that. And then I'll come back to LA. So that was literally my goal set. So I remember January, 2017, I moved to Vancouver and I was like, okay, get an agent here, start to work here while um, I'm going, I'm going to go back. And uh, months went by. I didn't get anything. Finally found out that my visa renewal got denied. And I was like, okay, well, life is here now. So there was a bit of a shocker where I was going through, like, what do I do now? Like, I'm here, I'm working as a server, I'm auditioning, but where's life going? And that's when I met my son's uh, father. And so we have an interesting story. I don't know if I told you all, but <laughs> we met. And so we were all like, oh, we're not going to have sex. Oh, hold on. Is this a PG podcast? <laughs> well, you are a mother, so somehow that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the birds and the bees. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so it's like we were all good. We, so it's like a month, we didn't do anything. And then after that, the next month, we got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's happening. And um, it was just okay. Here we are. We're gonna we're gonna have the baby. So we uh, moved in together, strangers that don't know each other moved in together. And I got so sick. I had hyperemesis gravidarum, so I was actually in the hospital. I was like, yeah, I was losing weight. I was like ninety pounds going down more. And it's like I was like, this is not pregnancy. I was like, what is going on? So. September, October, November, December, four months in and out of the hospital, couldn't keep anything down. And then the whole time they couldn't do tests because it's unethical. So I took all the medications that they could have me take. And it just, for four, for two people who didn't know each other, and then, you know, pregnancy is supposed to be a time where you can work on things. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're bringing life into this world. But we didn't get that chance because I was bedridden, so sick. I, I wasn't working. I was literally had to quit my job. I was just regurgitating just constantly. It was so bad. And um, we decided in that four months that, yeah, I don't think we're compatible. And we just had a conversation. I'm like, yeah, this is not. And I don't know if it's me mentally, emotionally going through what I'm going. And uh, there were points where at some points we were thinking maybe I, I should have an abortion because it was just like, this is a lot. You don't you don't hear these stories. Usually you hear like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I had more kiss it was so bad and then it was like great and you know what I mean no but this was just like fluid in me that's how I kept going so yeah so we decided that we were just going to co-parent so we lived together and then we had our son so for me that was far from what I wanted and even much so further from what I've seen of you know like my parents are together being an African girl like (laughs) First of all, co-parenting. What is that? <laughs> co-parent. The who? There is a co in front of the word parent. Hey, these white people. What have they done to you? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're co-parenting. <laughs> <laughs> so want to be like Coco for who? Coco what? Coco butter? Coco what? Coco for who, man? Coco for it's a co-op. No, 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 no. <laughs> And the best part, because I, like, my family is in Edmonton, Alberta. So when he's 
Brit- he's British Nigerian, like a little bit Nigerian. But it was just like my auntie was like, so have you bought her a kayak, the diamond? Because you know she when she gives birth, you have to make sure, and you're going to marry, right? You get. It was like it was for them. They you know selective hearing for African parents. It was just like they did not understand that at all. So we kind of were just like, okay, we're not. We're just we'll roll with it. They're like, you live in the same house though. So how do you co-parent in the same house? What is that? So yeah, so ended up having a little man and it was the best decision that I have ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm sorry. I just am floored by this whole wow. Um I I wow. Uh I'm a person who doesn't want kids either. So when you said no and now you have a kid, it was it's interesting to hear your story and to hear how it evolved and how it didn't turn in like you know when we're fed all these fairy tale uh, I mean th- that's pretty much for white people like the fairy tale thing like any mm-hmm. you know you two parents and da 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 and life's perfect. It's like that doesn't work that way and I, I wow. No yeah. words. I also just props to you like any any mother i just go props plus the layer of co-parenting prop oh oh yeah thank you it was it's it's difficult and that's so true i think that was the whole thing i think for me i we've all as women we've been fed all of these stories and that's for me i was like okay so now i'm pregnant so it should be beautiful right oh okay so now him and i should be together right because like that's the way to go oh no i'm a failure now because i couldn't keep a relationship but i live with this person and then trying to explain people to uh, explain that to people i just stopped people just i just let people assume the stuff because it's hard to explain it's something that neither western or african culture would really understand mm-hmm. i know western people are very involved but yet you tell them you co-parent they're like whoa wait what like we understand divorce and trying to work it out or whatnot you know kind mm-hmm. of thing so it was just one of those like are we the only one here that do this like i'm so confused what's happening so we actually found a therapist that deals with our specific situation because apparently there are other people out there that are like this so we have a therapist mm-hmm. that we've been seeing from like 2018 that actually that helps us and it's just a co-parenting therapist and we talk to him uh once a month now with COVID and everything but yeah so that was something that did help out because I was just going off of this like how it's supposed to be but I've always been mm-hmm. um, my parents always said I was always the child that just did not want to do things the way they're supposed to be done so I think that just kind of gen- it just like mother earth was just like here you go you want to live this life yeah you go this is you through and through this is your stamp this is your rite of passage this is your purpose is to be you know uh uh uh, what is that word um uh come on now don't escape me psychology so it's like divergent to be divergent to like just go and do things on your own on your own way that's it so i feel like i have a very maybe even slightly the opposite way of thinking about having kids I think growing up because I always grew up around you know having kids my family is massive if I told any people in my family it'd be like okay take take a whole country of a family then um but I always wanted kids I wanted like 11 kids I was like yeah soccer soccer team of kids I'm totally gonna have so many kids I love kids babies yeah I'll babysit for you I'll do it yeah oh you want a diaper change I'll do it I love kids yeah I want to have a baby and then I came here and then I was like 
oh, <laughs> oh, this is what other baby, like other people's babies, because a lot of the babies that I was around were like family in some way. So like my heart bled for them. But then when I got to like complete strangers, I was like, oh, I don't want your babies. <laughs> I like my family's babies. Okay. And then I was like, oh, and living in the city is pretty expensive. Uh, but then I started to think about like, you know, what kind of a, um, what kind of a mother am I going to be? How am I going to be a parent? You know, especially knowing how, or at least the things that I think like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like what my mom did or like what my dad did, right? Maybe I'll do the opposite if that would be better. But I, 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 I fear that I'm just going to be continuing that cycle and to do the exact same things. I don't know if that's come up for you or for any of the other ladies here, but how does that, how does that operate for you? It, it's so there's so many things that you've hit that I actually just wanted to dissect everything you've said here, if you don't mind. Um, first of all, you went from talking about how, you know, back home, you have the family, the compound. That was the biggest thing for me, because even in Edmonton, I have aunties. I was telling you about my auntie. She's not my real auntie, but it's just like we call aunties and uncles. So we had a community and whatnot. And you but you have to create that. And that only happened because all of us were refugees. And I find that that's not a thing in the Western culture. And the Western culture is like, this is my child and that's your child. And like, this is what it is. And like, there, I know people talk about, let's build a community. But it's just like they have this facade of what a community is, but it's not part of their culture. It's not part of their genetics of having it that way. You know what I mean? So like for me with my friends, it's just like it's known. Your child is my child. My child is your child. Hands down, period. My child calls you auntie and whatnot. And I have this thing of like, I think maybe I forced that on people because I'm just like, it is hard to raise. My auntie once told me it is hard to raise one child here than it is to raise five to ten children in Africa. And it was just because one child here, you have to find your own sitter. You have to find your own this. Everyone's living their own life. You can't just go to the door and say, hey, let me leave, uh, let me leave my child here or whatnot. Like, you, you know, there's all of these things where back home, you're on the street doing something bad and an uncle sees you. By the time you even get home, you are flogged. You are ready. Like, it's like, and there's no cell phone. There's no text messaging. It's just somehow the mouth has, you know what I mean? It's just so here, there wasn't that. They send smoke signals. They just like, get your daughter. <laughs> your mom's like, oh, my ear's ringing. Somebody, oh, my daughter's being, oh, okay. So there's just like this, this, this stress, and that's added extra stress that I've, hundred percent experienced here of like you know carrying my child at two months old going from daycare to daycare trying to register him and then like wait for two years to get in there because I don't you know I don't have my parents here to help me out or whatnot and it's just such a I find that it's a western thing more so that from what I've experienced living in America and Canada and then with what you were talking about oh I derailed there for a second but I know you were what was your next question again you were asking about uh, um um perpetuating like the types of cycles that maybe you don't want to uh adopt from your parents yes so that's the thing i i'm a firm believer that when you're ready to break the cycle that goes in your family you can do it i'm a 100 percent firm believer that it takes hard work it takes time but from the minute when i was like we're doing this like we decided to do a co-parenting thing that's when i realized right away okay, I don't want to hit my child, like, to the point of where it's abusive. 
because I went through that with my mother and our relationship just started to uh, reconnect in the past couple of years because I had a lot of work I had to do on myself. You know what I mean? But I also don't want to go too extreme. I find that what tends to happen um, before you get to a balance of things, you go to the extreme of things. It's like, I don't want to hit. I don't want to yell. I don't want to do that. And it may be subconscious. A lot of times it's subconscious. You don't even know you're doing it. So you, then you're doing the opposite thing. You're like, you're not hitting your child, but yet you're not disciplining your child. You're letting them get away with stuff still, right? And then you're just stressed out because you're like, why is my child not listening to me? Why is this? And then you have to sit down and be like, okay, what am I doing? And I need to rework it. And it's all trial and error, but it's you making that choice to say, I am going to raise my child differently. I am going to parent the way that works for me, not the way that works for anyone else, but the way that works for you. And when you're doing that, that is when you'll meet other people who are similar. You know what I mean? Because yes, you're doing it individually for yourself, but at some point there's a group of people who are doing it the exact same way and you can work together and you can encourage and help each other out. You know what I mean? But I think that is the biggest thing for me of just being like, okay, I have a son. First of all, I don't know anything about boys. Like, you know, little boy, you know what I mean? I was like, so I don't know how I'm going to do this, but it's just like, I had to trust my gut. And there are times where, oh my God, like today, even I was driving home after I dropped him off and I was like, I'm such a terrible mother. Oh my god, like just crying because I'm just like, he was not listening to me and I raised my voice and there were some things that was said because I have this thing of I want to raise him like an adult in the sense of I want him to be a responsible little boy that understands that when you make mistakes, there are consequences and you're going to have to clean like clean up after yourself in that sense, right? But at the same time, treat him like a child because he's still a child. So there's such a balance and there's no handbook yes there's books that people write based on their experience but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for you and don't be hard on yourself if it doesn't just try something else because let me tell you these kids they're not going to remember what you what you did to them at three four five years old like you know what i mean more so when they're 15 <laughs> but until then now's the time that you have that you can do use trial and error trial and error until you make it work for yourself yeah, that's really true. What if, um, what cultural things did you want to bring in? So I speak Creole to him. He refuses to speak Creole back to me. Oh my God. I remember the day he said it to me. Oh, wahala. <laughs> I sat there and I cried. My child does not want to speak Creole to me. And his father being the British guy that is, is like, you're going to speak Creole to your mother, SJ. You speak Creole. You say, how they body. <laughs> like, that's not how you say it. He's not gonna say it incorrectly. Like, I remember. He <laughs> his daycare. I was like, I need pictures of black children everywhere. Like legit. I was like, these are some books that he was like. <laughs> it's because it hurts. Because I'm like, oh my goodness, he's first generation Canadian. Like I'm speaking Creole to him, and he's like. I don't want to speak Creole. And I was like, ah, you know what? I was like, the first time I wanted to just slap him, but I was like, you don't hit, you don't hit. But there's that, and we listen to um, I love I West African music, not just West African, but just the continent of Africa, uh, Spotify. Thank God we live in this age. Oh my goodness, for technology, like he hears the music 
inside the car everywhere he goes and um for books we have books like we have uh anansi the spiderweb from ghana like it's just like it's different cultural books but i i always bring that i i put it in there you know what i mean so that he knows that this is where you're from this is what you are you know because my child has blonde hair and fair like very fair i don't know if you can see him but this is oh so cute (laughs) (laughs) so i already know the privileges that are coming in hand right there and i already know that okay this is what you're gonna your experience his experience as a black child is gonna be different from me and we will stand right beside each other i mean it's just and it hits every time i always hear oh is that his real hair color or oh are you his mom or oh this and that so every time i hear these things oh this is a, a, a constant it's now it just goes mm-hmm. over my head i'm like Ugh. but every time i hear that i'm just like okay this is why we need to keep the culture at home mm-hmm. i cook cassava leaves I cook couscous, fufu, crane crane, all these foods, he eats that. You know what I mean? So he may not want to speak my language, but he understands it. He eats the food and his grandparents speak it to him as well. So that's like a thing that a rule I have with my parents. You don't speak English to him. You speak Creole to him. And that's it's just no if, ands, or buts. That's just it. If you want to talk to your, your grandchild, that's how it is, you know? Because for me, when I came to Edmonton, I used to speak, I spoke seven languages. I spoke Wolof from Senegal, French, English, Creole, Kisi, my dad's tribal language, Mende, my mom's tribal language, right? I spoke all those languages. And when we came, I had to get rid of all those languages because it was an English, Anglophone uh, city that we went to in Edmonton, very, very English. And it was, it was the fact of, I got held back a year. So all my life, that's always like at grade four, grade five. So it's like, it's a thing I remember of like, oh, your culture was stripped from you in that sense in order for you to be able to fit into this society. So for me, I just want to carry that because every time I went back home, my parents would always make sure we're eating West African food. My parents would always make sure I was around that community. I haven't really met a Sierra Leonean community out here or like a strong African community of mothers, unfortunately, like I have in and like I have my family back home in Edmonton. So like I, I haven't been able to do that for my son. So my home is the sacred place that I do that. And his father also, I got to give props to him. He's learned how to cook the West African food. So he cooks it for him too. Yeah, so he does. And when he's spending the week with his father, if his father can't cook for him, I'll cook the food, freeze it and give it to him, you know, so yeah. It's really tough. It's, it's really hard, but uh, it's a way for me of being like, I got to continue my family, my family's lineage with him. Yeah. I feel like I would also want to bring in the languages. I think that's a really lovely um, <clears throat> uh, rule that you have to, you know, ask the grandparents to be speaking the, the, the languages. Because it actually reminds me of how, like when 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 we were younger, you would know if the house phone was ringing, who was calling based on the language that was being spoken on the phone. So if it was my dad, we'd speak to and I'd already know. Like, oh, Papa Warren, okay, I If it's my mom, you speak Zulu, right? And so you you already knew. And then English was because you know school and all of that stuff. But I really 
that for me is one of the things that I would love to hold on to. And I would love to be able to give and I hope that it's received by my child to be like, yes, I will speak one of the languages that you can speak. Um, because I think there's so much about just even the way of expressing yourself in the languages that's so deep, like it resonates, like the, the you know, the different sounds that you make when you're doing that. It's a whole vibration that's going through your body, through your throat, it's an expression. And so um, it's really, really, really rich. And I've seen, you know, my, my age range of people in high school who did not want to speak or learn their own, you know, mother tongues because of the assimilation, because of what you were striving for. And, you know, so, it's a very complicated and a complex world, but I feel like now when they look back, I'm noticing a lot more people are like, ah, I want to learn my language again. I want to learn my language again. Cause there's so much in there. Your ancestry is literally talking to you through that. So, mm -hmm. and it's not just that scientifically proven that children who learn multiple languages, <clears throat> you know, so for me, I look at this and I'm like, look at the European kids out there thriving in business because they speak French, English, Dutch, Dutch. And then I'm like, so who, are you you know to tell me I shouldn't do that in that sense like that came from the continent of Africa you grew up with like your your mother's tribal language your father's tribal language your auntie's tribal like it's like all of these and it's like it's developing our brain because we're able to switch 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 so it's just like more languages is better for our child developmentally so I'm like uh-uh you're not going to take my child backwards. You know what I mean? Like you tried to conquer with my family when we came here, you know, but my parents kept going at it. So you're not going to do that, you know? So it's just, it's a thing. Like, it's just not English. It shouldn't, you know, it's just, there's more to that. Totally. And I, I am a, a, an adult woman who regrets rejecting my mother's language like i was the person who was like don't teach me swahili it's not gonna benefit me on the playground like no one's gonna play tag with me playing swahili like what what are you trying to say so she would try and teach me my sister swahili and we would just like no and now i'm like oh i need to i need to learn it i want to go back i, I want to be able to speak it and when you're older you don't learn languages as well it doesn't stick in your head plus covid the whole year that's messed up all of our brains it's like now it's all mush in there so props to you to continuing on in the language education to your son mm -hmm. thank you so much and i want to add another thing in there because there's for boy boys and girls go through this but there's a point where they'll start to some of them start to stutter because their brain is switching from like being a little baby or whatnot and they're trying to grasp the words and for all mothers out or just all parents out there if you feel like oh my goodness I'm speaking to my child in another language and this is why they're going to start studying like there was a full-on thing about this uh and we spoke to an expert and they're like no keep speaking your language so when she said that I was like are you sure like he's not is it because of me is that why he's stuttering because he can't he's mixing english and creole together because he's like here and she's like no 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 keep doing it i know it's tough but just keep doing it right now because this is not like a stutter issue that's gonna last you know his stuttering's gone away and i still kept like it was hard but i still kept going so if you're going through that like unless of course i get it if your child actually ends up having like a stuttering issue then you know the specialist will help you through that but my advice is keep going whatever languages you're speaking to your child keep it going no matter what but don't be forceful and that's another thing with it it's like he doesn't want to speak it i cried i let it go i still speak it to him 
you know, so he understands it. You know what I mean? So that's another thing. Just, just keep at it. Even if you think you're ruining it, you're not. Trust me, you're not. I think even the understanding thing for, for me, because I was born in Zambia. And so I, I guess we had English and then my dad, my mom's tribe, which is Bemba. Then we had lived in the Netherlands for about five and a half years. So we had to learn Dutch. But at that time, when we moved to Holland, they were like, they can't speak their mother like language. They have to switch over to Dutch. So we like learned Dutch, became fluid in it. But Bemba was always spoken in our household, whether my parents were speaking or my older sister was speaking with my parents. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they have to stop speaking Dutch. So then we had to stop speaking Dutch and switch to English because this is what this is what people would tell my parents. And of course, like as as an immigrant, you want your kids to thrive in their in their in a new country. So we lost our Dutch. But at the time, like there are certain things still with Bemba that I can understand. So I can understand everything they're saying. I just speak back in English. So even when I go back home to Zambia, it's like people can still have discussions and I understand what you're saying. I just can't speak back to you. So, I mean, there is something about when a child understands because it does stay with you because I was five and I still as a language I remember because it was still spoken around me and it was still there's still certain things my parents would say that I would be able to understand till this day because they just kept repeating it, even though I would always answer back in English. Yeah, it's such a thing. It's so interesting because like we're all immigrants here and or, or we're all like children of immigrants or whatnot. And going back to what it, it just it just clicked to me right now with what you said coming into this country and being told, okay, you need to assimilate, you need to fit in and whatnot. But yet you have children that are going to these prestigious schools that are learning Spanish, French, this, this, this. And I'm just like, okay, come on now, come on. Enough is enough, okay? Mm-hmm. When an immigrant comes into your country or when you bring someone into your country, I get it. I get walking on the street and being respectful of the rules and the laws, 100%. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that they should be allowed to speak their own language whilst they're also learning how to speak that language. Okay, it's gonna take time, I get that. But you shouldn't have to stop. Because why is it that John, Paul, Peter, Rebecca, and Nancy's children are learning how to speak all these multiple languages in a $50,000 school, but yet you're telling these people, oh, only speak English and only make sure your child speaks English. N- uh, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Because there's particular jobs that a child could get. What if one day a child needs to be interpreter for that language because of something that happens? What what, what are you going to say now then? Like, mm-hmm. it's just something that just, like, irks me. This whole, like, Canadian or American or whatnot. And I was like, eh, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people were immigrants once. Everyone was immigrants once. When they came here, do you think the Italians were, were just out here speaking English? Uh-uh-uh. Oh, no, 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 no. So just just let's let's watch ourselves. Let's let's be mindful of that, of how hard it is, mm-hmm. and how someone should be allowed to be able to speak their own language. Whilst and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking just speaking your language and then being like I'm not speaking English. I don't want to do it. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they're learning to speak that, but they also want their children. The, the children should be given the option of being able to be like, okay, you, you must speak English in school and we'll help you with that. But also there's these other languages and you can keep speaking your language. Like that's, we invite that, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it is very much a uh, colonial, <clears throat> excuse me, perspective because even when um, uh, during apartheid, they made everybody uh, learn how to speak Afrikaans. And that was like the dominant language that they were kind of, you know, uh, uh, having the power through. So I get that. And even I think, 
when I was in, when did I graduate high school? I think it was like 20, uh, 2009 rather. Um, and in my last year, I think they had just now in the schools passed three uh, native languages to be taught in school. And so even on the continent, it's not always the case that all of the schools are teaching your mother tongue as an option. You, we got French first. I think another school got like German or whatever. And another school got like Italian. And I'm like, why? I mean, I know in the continent, there's people who speak French and there's people who speak Portuguese and all of that stuff. But like, why is it a must for me to know that? And I can't even communicate to my grandparents because that's a really, really big thing. And that was a big thing for me. Luckily, I grew up with my grandparents. And so I knew how to speak my uh, language before English. Um, And that's always been something that I've been really proud of. But it really like it, it, it makes me think of you know, how language is such a powerful tool and how they strip a lot of your identity through that language and how even, you know, in your home country, that's something that you might even still have to be fighting for, something that you still have to be urging for because, you know, we've all uh, uh, adopted the colonial systems because of the way colonization runs, right? And so how do we make sure to get that out of there so that maybe one day if you want to retire on the continent, you can feel good having kids there too and being like, oh, cool, my kids, even if they come in only learning English because we were living here, they'll come here and the school's going to be able to afford them the opportunity to learn, <clears throat> excuse me, that language um, for themselves. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's very true. And I think even it's the same in Zambia too. It's I have lots of cousins that don't know how to speak their native language because of the same thing, because of the school systems mm-hmm. are all English. You English and that's mm-hmm. it. And it's only now that they're, implementing cultural practices, tribal practices in the school systems um, and your native language. So it's very interesting how it's only now I think people are finally figuring it out like what you just said, how important it is that language is continued throughout our different generations. Like now I hear people, because for me, if when I have kids, like they're gonna learn Chinese just because I just learn Mandarin or whatever language is gonna be dominant at the time because I know <laughs> that is the language my child needs to know. Um, because for real, like, I just know that that is gonna be a benefit to them because even in Africa right now, like they're all over. And so it's gonna be, yeah, for sure. So, um, but when you talk about community, how have you found community um, within motherhood in Vancouver? Because in general, people always say like motherhood so or mother is hard. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then on top of that, Vancouver is a lonely city. So how is it kind of adapting and finding women that you could connect with or other parents that you're like, OK, this is somewhere I can feel like I have a community as we talked about, like community is so important in African culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's so true how Vancouver is so lonely. I mean, when I first moved here, I was like, oh, my God oh, this is so different from LA. Like, I was just like, it was just, everyone was just like, go, 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 go. There was no, you know, interaction. And if you did have an interaction, it was so fleeting or it's very much so like, why are you interacting with me? How long are you here for? What is that? I'm like, ah, okay, calm down. So for motherhood, for me, I mean, the first few months, um, so I was, (laughs) we took these these, uh, classes. It's like preparing you for being a mom and a dad. And I was like, you know, a group of us would get together. It was this class, this lady would teach us. And it's like, get, like literally we went through like, this is what your bre- like what breath work is like. And this is what's happening with the baby. And like, you know, how to push. And we had like a fake pushing session. It's like, if you're having a C-section, all these people, like, you know, that kind of class, like prepping you. So with these ladies, um, I was like, ooh, they're all, we're all going to have babies at the same time. Uh, we should 
create something like we should you know make sure we stick together so i just created a whatsapp group and that was like my first entrance into a community um granted it was mostly white women and then two asian ladies and myself and um it we're all different age groups and this was all our first child so we had that bond already there so uh we all kept in touch and we all gave birth in the same month so we have uh like april's like april's like mom's month for for us kind of thing so that was my first sense and it was just literally me being like not me deciding that I'm going to take advantage of this because I could have easily just been like, oh, okay, cool. We had this class. Thank you. But we were together for three months. Yeah. We were all together right up until we gave birth. And when we all gave birth, we all met, we have pictures that we send in our group chat of when the babies were babies. And like a couple of them have had their second children now. And it's just like constantly like birthday parties. We will meet up or have a virtual birthday party now with COVID. So from that, um I then took a break because three months in I booked a, a gig and I went straight back into work so I was like literally pumping and acting and like you know so I was just like okay we're back at it back at work back at the hustle trying to figure things out so I didn't really have time to find a community again I just kind of relied on this um and then I just decided that you know what I'm just gonna start talking to moms like, you know, so when I wasn't working, I started to talk to moms and that's when I started to have different moms, but still it wasn't really a community as what I had with the other ladies. It was more so of a, there's this mom, there's that. And then I, uh, I fell into postpartum depression, which is not a joke. Um, postpartum is, it's really, it's, it's tough. Um, I think it's one of the things that is in line with miscarriages that we don't talk about. People don't talk about miscarriage, but miscarriage happens. And it's so, it regularly happens. Let's be very honest. And postpartum is something, because you have to imagine you grew a human being, not a plant, not an animal, a human being in you. Then you pushed it out, or some of us had it pulled out. And now you expect to just, raise a child right and it's like you're not waking up at the same time you're expecting to feed your body is going through these changes like it's like milk is coming in you don't have your period like there's so much psychologically physically your body is not the same like I know on Instagram it's like just gave birth look at me I'm back to my weight in less than a month no 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 it's not that. And most of us aren't celebrities or extremely rich people that have three nannies. Like you're waking up to, to give the baby food. Like you, this is all you have to provide for your child or formula if you're not blessed enough to have that. And that, that's your life. So it's like, it really, it really, postpartum is really a thing. And the thing is, I think people think it just happens at a certain point. No, it, it, so for some women, it happens right away. For some, it doesn't. And for some, it happens when the child is like two, three years old and then hits them because you just constantly go. So for me, like I said, give birth, went into work. I was just like, ugh, ugh. finally, one day I just broke down. It got so bad that I honestly just wanted to commit suicide. And that's when my partner was like, something's wrong. You're mm -hmm. not okay. And I was like, no, I'm not okay for me to be wanting to go down this path right now. And that's when I joined a postpartum 
um, depression group. And um, that was my other community. And when I went in there, I was like, oh, there's going to be a bunch of women talking about how sad we are and how depressed we are. And the thing with depression, I mean, I don't know if you three deal with depression, but it's like it it comes and goes. It's not, you know, some people do have depression where it's like constant there for like years, but it like comes and goes. So it's like some days I was like, I'm not depressed. I'm fine. I love my child. And it's like, that's another thing. When I gave birth, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I love you. I was like, oh, my God, who are like, you're here. What it, you know kind of thing so I felt like oh that's not how a mother's supposed to be right mm-hmm. but that was another way I created a community because it wasn't us sitting there talking about how sad we are it was actually just us being given a space to be unapologetic raw and honest and that is not given to women to mothers and it's so sad because I wish there was some sort of program out there that said it's a government funded, you get X amount of time for free and, you know, your job doesn't, it doesn't affect your job and your job has to let you go to it or whatever it is. Here you go. This is a space for you. You know what I mean? Because with this, you have to go and seek it out. You know, it's not like, hey, you just gave birth here's a postpartum depression platform, honestly, you know? And I feel like it should be like that. It should be like, you are going to go through it at some point. It's mild for some, it's extreme, but no matter what, you're going to go through it, you know? And um, so, yeah, so then that's how I found that community. And then from there, I just kept working on myself and like I said I kept meeting more people and I was like oh let me get into the black community because I haven't really had a chance to get into the black community and it's like I just spoke it and all of a sudden black women started to come into my life and like I'd see a black mom with a stroller and I'm literally like hey <laughs> and especially a black mom with a mixed race child I'm like hey And like I was working on set on a show, met this white guy, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm a Jamaican partner who's pregnant." I was like, "Oh, okay, good. We're go- I'm coming to your house." He's like, "Who is this girl?" I was like, "Yeah, let's go." So I went to his house, met his girl, with his partner, and they're married now. And uh, her and I are like friends, and that's I just started like to 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 fetch and like do that. And that's how I was creating my little community of people. And anytime I met moms, I'd always be like, oh yeah, here's this mom. It was always like, you're my friend, but you're also that person's friend. Like, oh, you need to sit, here's that, here's this. Like, it was always that. I never felt the need to be like, you're mine now. Like, (laughs) there's only a few of us in Vancouver. We got to, you know, kind of thing. And then when BLM came, that's how Mom Let's Talk came about. Because it was just like, I started to create this community and BLM happened and it was just like crushed me crushed and like started to reach out to my other black moms and it was just like we all went through this depression and I remember having a panic attack on a phone with another black mother um, friend of mine and we literally were on the phone panic attack and our partners had to come um, and just help us up and like and it was just the thing of like okay there needs to be a 
place that everyone can just go and talk and that's when I started mom let's talk and that was how it was birthed and I started with a, a girlfriend of mine who's my son's godmother and she is uh, her name's Karina and she's uh, this lovely German girl who <laughs> I've had an opportunity of also with her she's also wanted to create this community because she she didn't she doesn't have that you know her family is more so like very European so it was just you know wanting to show that you know you can you can have a group of family. It takes a lot of work. And you got to remember, when you say people are your family, get ready for it to be real. Because it's like, <laughs> family is not, it's not an easy word. It's not just like, my son's not just calling you auntie for not being auntie. Because you're going to be the auntie that can discipline him. You know what I mean? I know that when I walk away, I can trust my child with you kind of thing. So her and I started this group. And it was just for... Uh, moms of different ethnicities and backgrounds to come together and just talk about what's real and just just talk to each other and just ask questions and give each other advice and whatnot so that's how that started and from other moms to meet each other and to be you know to 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 be able to work together or collaborate or whatnot or help each other out and it was so great like talking to moms who the same thing of like I'm Asian and you know, I have a white partner or I'm white and I have an Indian partner and like trying to keep that culture together and like, you know, making sure my child, because now there's this added thing for us. Now we have, I think my son's generation is called something ridiculous. There's like, they're called the alpha generation or some dumb thing like that. I'm like, mm -hmm, okay. So now I think it's alpha. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Now we have this thing of raising the alpha of like being like, you know, being, um, politically correct or doing that or seeing that you know but being able to see that hey there's different people okay your world now is not just going to be like it was for us where you know the white people were here or whatnot people are traveling and you're going to see social media and you're going to see all of this so we're going to have to learn how to accept and learn about each other and it's okay to ask a question it's how you ask the question or the intention behind it but it's okay to say I don't know please educate me and understanding that you have this subconscious racism that you may not be aware of. You know what I mean? And that is why it's blinding you. You have blind spots that you have to work on and passing that on to your child, you know? So, yeah. I don't think I'm here for the name, but they're definitely taking care of the next generation. Generation Alpha. <laughs> I don't at all. I was like, this is like who came up with it? Probably some. Probably someone's like, oh, okay, well, this generation because our generation is supposed to be the generation that has the key. Like, if we're talking about the whole, like, you know, global, yeah, like we're the ones that are starting that shift, and then they will fulfill the shift. But I feel like Alpha isn't at the beginning because we're at the beginning. So, like. No, 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 it's because it's because they had Generation Z and they had to restart it again. Yeah, and oh. like we just started at Z. That's that was weird to begin with. It totally is. The reason why is because technology is changing so much that the generational gap has like it like decreased like so it's so minute now. So Generation Z, I think, is only like. 10, 15 years, and now Alpha started all over again because, again, their generation is going to have technology. I don't even know. They're going to fly. Like, <laughs> shit. Like, I don't even know. Um, but, yeah, yeah sorry. Teleport. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Goodness, I want to be there for that generation. Uh -uh, beam me up, Scotty. Give me 
you bring me back. I want to be beaming. I want to be like, boom, boom, bye. <laughs> on, a, on a really bad day. <laughs> when somebody's shouting at you, boom, boom, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. That has to be the sound effect. Boom, boom. Someone's being racist. You're like, I'm a black woman. I don't have to deal with this. Boom, boom. <laughs> I'm going to work for free. Boop, boop. <laughs> Sorry, you don't have a stylist to do my hair. Boop, boop. I'm coming. I'm going to the Bahamas. I'm, I'm just going to go to South Africa real quick. Hey, break my hair. Break my hair. I'm back. Boop, boop. Let's act. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. I can keep going on. <laughs> just boop, boop. It's just going to be my head now. I used to work as a postpartum nurse and in the NICU. So dealing a lot with like that postpartum depression and me not really wanting kids. I was like, I'm going to be rich anti-supreme. So knowing that like I hold, there's a lot of um, honor in that. Like, you know, like you said, like when you pass that on to a friend, a trusted person, there's like that weight. So I think in terms of like creating that community, I commend you and and also in the strength that you have for reaching out and then creating that community that wasn't there, right? Because um, it's hard. I, I, I watch my friends, most of my friends have kids and I'm just seeing this struggle and me always going, if you need anything, any soundboard, any thought that you have that you think Ooh, I should have it. And you need to tell someone, tell me no judgment, no shame, no condemnation because motherhood is hard. It's a transition that no one wants to talk about. You're just expected to be happy about it. But like you said, you held your baby. You're like, oh, there's this thing. Oh my gosh. But there's not that automatic bond at times. Sometimes you're like, I, I haven't even slept. How can I connect with this thing that I haven't? I What? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that you you manifested this community and you bringing people together and you're the best part my favorite part of what you said was that you're like I'm not holding on I'm connecting moms I'm putting them together I'm like you have this personality oof I know this girl you're gonna you're going to jail your kids are gonna be friends too it's gonna be great let's do that thing like I love that because I feel like if we had those more open, honest conversations about motherhood, mm-hmm. people will be more ready. Like, even if you're like on the teetering, like, I don't know, it's like, you, at least you have a better perspective and a better uh, set of expectations versus going in and then feeling like you're failing because everybody's faking happiness as moms. Mm-hmm. No, it's not, that can't be it. And, and then it just, it leads to like that downward spiral of like, Am I, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm not do, being good as a mother. I'm not a human being. Like, like it just continues, right? So at the, the fact that there's this like community, like I, I, I haven't turned me yet. I still don't want kids, but it's good to know there's something there. <laughs> so be prepared. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> be prepared for my 11 kids. I'm just going to drop them off. <laughs> you put it out there. So we're accepting. Uh, 11 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna to wherever you are i'm gonna i'm gonna put them i'm gonna put a magnet on your transformer and put a magnet on each of theirs and we're gonna boop with all of them <laughs> I, you keep saying 
minus 11. Every time you say that, my vagina hurts. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, honestly, like, did you hear about that woman who had nine kids and she thought she was going to have seven and she's 25. She's 25. Like, what's it? 25? Yeah, some woman in, in Bali, right? In Bali, she had- Bali, in Bali, just black woman. Nah, that's also why I don't want to have kids. That shit would happen to me. I would be that person who had, oh, pregnant one time, five kids. <laughs> what the, no. Yep, yep, 100%. That's how I feel about twins because twins run both inside my family. And I'm just like, none of my sisters, like, I'm, I'm just like, if it's me. It's you. The ma- it's it's I'm you. So obsessed. I'm so obsessed. I will love them dearly. Don't worry. Supreme. Two kids? Yes. Palessa, not 11. I'm so sorry. No way. Yeah. They won't all come at once, babe. They'll be like, you know, one after the other. No, I'm kidding. Um, In your 50s and 60s, you're just like, um, you know what? I am, I'm here for, I'm going to be having kids up until I'm 80. Every year, just like, one for the planet, one for, it's just like planting trees. That's how they're saving the forest. This is how I'm going to save the world. I'm planting kids. I'm kidding. Everybody out there, I am absolutely kidding. I do not want 11 children. Sometimes I even think like, do I even want to have kids? I don't know. It's still, it's still very much like, a, you know, here and there because, because once again, like, you know, honestly, like, are we, I don't want to be like doomsday about the planet, but you know, there's all of the stuff that's happening with the planet. There's half of it burning, half of it drowning, half of it this, half of it that. Like knowing even that like places like Richmond, like they have unsteady ground. I'm like, humans are just real wild. We're like, we'll just build here. If it crashes, we'll figure it out. We're just all about after the fact. We're never just like preparing for the actual, you know, correctness of it. So that, that makes me the most nervous to have a kid. And then, you know, like racism. And it's like, for me coming from South Africa and then coming here, I was like, okay, cool. You know, maybe there's less, you know, people of color here, but they're, they're the rest, right? They're like, you know, first, you know, like top countries, first countries or whatever they call themselves. And, and, you know, like they should be more advanced because that's what they've sold us all. And then you get here and you're like, y'all don't even know. Y'all even think like the George Floyd thing is the beginning. Like y'all are just so behind I can't even gather all of myself into one place and so that's why I'm like I don't know I don't know and I also don't know if I want to have my mom's like have kids you know I, I, I'm just bored I'm bored have kids and I'm like uh-uh lady please can you uh-uh can you please have like why are we running on your time I don't understand no no just go through the nine months of pain go through the labor have someone cut your stomach or push your vagina i'll be there and then after that i'll take the child for one month give yeah. it to you do do it and then i will make sure i let you know how bad of a mother you are while i'm watching you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, i don't want you should be doing this you should be doing this it's like what <laughs> who had this child <laughs> and that's the thing with me too i'm like one and done and it's so crazy because people like, oh my god, see, I'm like, he's so beautiful. I'm like, I love another one. Like, he needs a sibling. As a, he needs a sibling. He has all these other siblings around here. They don't have to be the same blood. That's his siblings. You want me to have another child, eh? Okay, you go give birth. Please go give birth and then bring the child to me when they're four years old. Five. Then uh, that's a good age. I'll take care of them. Then. Have another child. I'm like, 
no. What I'm like literally working on getting my tubes tied. Like I, same thing. I'm like the world is just disastrous. Now when you read stories of like Western countries don't want to give the vaccines away just yet and like legally, I'm like the fuck. You have people dying. Like this is the type of people we are. We're teaching our children share be kind let's be happy but yeah you're sitting there in the parliament and you're saying like ah, this law about making it so that other countries that are poor can have it oh i don't know yeah. like you know what i mean and that's why china said came in and said china said screw you we're just gonna make our own and distribute it everywhere we don't even care who authorizes it or not here you go yeah. but it's just like even then they have there's ulterior motives behind it. oh 100 oh wait there's always money all involved. the time yeah. Like, that's how, like how they gave like the Johnson Johnson and the AstraZeneca to Africa because they're like oh it's contaminated or we have extras so like now they're all over but then Zambia just right now send out a whole thing they're like we're stopping this one because of the side effects it's like we're always the testing place I don't understand why are we always testing it like it's frustrating oh, so I'm just like wow so I want to bring how many more children into this world to hope to yeah. pray and hope that they would that it'll get better and people are like look we went from slavery to where we are now isn't it better hey Charlie if I no like please <laughs> I haven't heard somebody say Charlie in a very long time hey Charlie hey, hey don't play this like like that was the real thing hey Charlie don't play but honestly like that's it's wild it's wild so I don't know for me I don't know I feel like you know I still want to do, you know, my whole prepare to potentially have kids. So I'll leave the city. I want to go live in the woods. I want to, you know, kind of create, because I feel like even if I don't have kids, that's still the life that I want to live. That's still how I want to slow myself down and kind of pace it out. You know, I want to be that like, you know, grayed out lady sitting on the porch, just like writing all of these books. And some of them will be kids books. Some of them will be something else, you know, recording all of these stories. And I'm just like, oh, uh, you know, come to, and then be like, oh, let's fly over to grandma. And I'm there and I'm like, yeah, auntie's going to tell you. And the kids stay with me for like camp. And I do this like, so, um, because I think my other thing is when I was a nanny, I was saturated. I was like, this is my kid connection done. So I also think, do I actually want to have my own kids or do I just want to be working with kids or have kids around me perpetually? And I think that's so important. And at the end of the day, I always tell people, I, I tr truly, I know this is going to come out insensitive, but it's like, do we really need more mothers or do we need more people who are actually there to take care of the children? Because at the end of the day, when you have someone that's there for the child and can guide them and help them when the parents can't because we're too busy working, we're too busy doing this, but to help them, that is more important. That is how we get to a better world. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like for me, I'm just like, oh, would, it, would it be better to just adopt? Where it's just like giving hope and opportunity to that instead of being out here giving birth to five ten children or whatnot of just being like okay one after another for what reason like that's after you have your first child literally sex is for you to have the second child mm -hmm. like really think about that it's like you're not even having sex now just to enjoy it or to be like you know like there's reversible vasectomies men you can go and get it done like it's just like mm. like it's, it's not painful like it's just like but sex shouldn't be something to have another child sex should be mm. something where you get back to where you are with that person that you fell in love with that you want to be with you know what I mean not like okay we're on a time crunch now so we got to do this and whatnot and like 
and I know it's some it's, it's sound it may sound harsh to some people this is just my African side coming out of being very honest of just like do we need more or do we need more caretakers to actually truly change the world if we really want to have our children have a better world how do we do that you know mm. so it, and I know that conversation can get kind of murky because it can go into like oh are you trying to control the, the amount of people that are made or whatnot whatnot like there are so many of us in this world who are so damn selfish. There's so many people on this earth. Like, and what are we really doing to make it better for the generation? Just because we're not going to be alive when they're alive, they're the ones that have to do bullshit after. No? So it's like, let's, let's take care of our kids. You know, let's, we need more aunties and uncles and all that <laughs> and when you're ready if you end up having a child you end up having a child you know what I mean don't there's that guilt but I think we should stop putting this guilt on women and stop putting this like tick tock tick tock or it's like oh your life isn't really fulfilled is it now that you don't have a child because that person could have 10 nephews nieces like you know what I mean like imagine if I wasn't able to get my child out of some situation be yet one of his aunties or uncles were that right there is a parent mm -hmm. hands down that right there is a parent like i don't get this whole you must be a superhero as a parent no you don't mm -hmm. there's no such thing as that like even freaking superheroes have their people that work around in their offices that are like doing this, all that stuff. Superman did not build his own suits. Like, you know, Black Panther did not do like there's there's like, you know what I mean? So let's just mm. let's just stop this. Let's just come back to what the original part of what community is. You know? Yeah. What do yeah. you uh, what advice would you give in terms of co-parenting? <laughs> co-parenting um if you decide to go down the route of co-parenting my I have honestly I would say this is the way get yourself a therapist for sure that can that is very that, that educated in that department it's not like a divorce therapy it's not relationship it's literally a therapist for co-parenting because what their main focus is is how to make you a better parent for your child that is what a co-parenting therapist is. Um, on top of that, it has to be, in order to get to this co-parenting part, there has to be, you have to make sure both of you and your partner have let go of that we're in love. See, my partner and I, my son's father and I, we were not, we were not in love. So we that kind of was easy for us. It was kind of like, okay, cool, we were not in love. So there's nothing to let go. But you have to let that go. You have to let that resentment and hurt go. Because in order for co-parenting to work, you both have to be doing it focused on your child right it has nothing to do with each other because like so he's been dating this girl who him and I used to live together and now we don't live together anymore we live we went separate ways in October and um he's been dating her for a year and for me it was just like imagine if him and I were in love that's the tester right there if your partner has moved on with someone else and then you're doing things to like to, you have to check yourself. You have to make sure you've completely and that you're not moving on quickly for whatever. Because it's one thing to say we're co-parenting. It's another thing to like have that little voice inside of you that's like, 
you still haven't moved on. You still want to work something out with this person, you know? So maybe co-parenting is in the best. Maybe it is best that you just cut the hammer and say, hey, we're just going to do this as like divorce couples. You know what I mean? So that for me is just make sure that it's, it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Make sure that it's honest. You're honest to yourself. You're honest to both parties. You know, make sure you're coming from that side of things. Because when you're honest, it makes things super easy you know, and get a therapist. And remember that it's always your child. It, it has nothing to do with the two of you. It's about your child. And that's what it is, is having that because now you're creating space to have this family that's going to be a mixed family, you know. And um, so we have like in our we have a separation agreement, we have rules in there as well. And that's another thing is making sure that you have rules set in stone that in place that um, that work out for both people. So that it's not just like you're not always in a gray area, because that's when things get really tough for co-parenting, if there's that gray area. So always make sure that it's like, okay, we have these rules set in stone. We have Christmas, this where this is how we want to see our family structure when someone comes in. So with us, we even have it, if the new person meets a child, they would have to be with the, the other partner for over a year. They have to take parenting, the co-parenting classes, and they have to take like, yeah, so there's like things that you have to do. You don't just get to meet our son all willy nilly because you're, once you come in, you're in. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's not just, and if something happens and you're not together, you're, that child is, our child is still going to be connected to you. You know, they're not, they're not just going to forget about you. So it's, that's, that's how important and serious it is. I know we see celebrities that are like, we're co-parenting. And then they're like dating people left, right, and center. Like their children can afford major therapy. You know what I mean? But like for us regular folks, our children can't afford major, major therapy. So it's just doing it that way. And um, at the end of the day, it's doing what works for you. It's, it's really tough because it's constantly being in that person's space with each other and knowing each other inside and out. So you know how to tick each other off. And trust me, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of that. Like it's not easy water at all. And always remembering that, you know, you're going to have to explain it to so many people. Your friends may not understand. They'll try and support you. And also letting your friends know that, like, both of you will be reaching out to them. But um, remembering that it's whatever you say or whatever you do, it's affecting a child. And I think that's the most important thing. I keep coming back to the word child because that is what the most important part is. So it's like our friends that are really close to us understand what really is happening. And, you know, their kids understand as well. It's like SJ has two homes, but SJ's mommy and daddy see each other. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like being able to open that and not have it be like hush, hush, you know, because SJ is the one living that life. You know what I mean? So like, I don't want him to go somewhere and not feel like, I want him to feel like this is normal, you know, even though it really isn't, to be very honest. How many co-parentings do you know? You know what I mean? So it's just trying to make it be how, yeah, how that, and get yourself therapy. <laughs> Cannot stress that. Get yourself your own personal therapist. Because <laughs> a co-parenting therapist does not help you with your personal issues. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, it's been lovely to have you. This discussion has been fun. You have a great personality, so it's made it really fun to have this talk. But I also really appreciate sharing your story with us and your vulnerability and what motherhood looks like um, and just what creating community looks like for mothers. So I'm sure we'll probably connect more with the things that we do and hopefully we can even partner with something eventually when COVID kind of dies down and create more community for Black mothers especially. So thank you so much for being our guest. Yeah. It's so great. It's so good. I can't wait to see you all in real life and just all hug. And yeah, I'm excited for what the future holds here. Thank you. You're doing an amazing job. Thank and you. Um, I'm also going to be aunties to your kids if you end up having children or whatnot. So there's there's a fourth one here, okay? <laughs> 11. 11 from Palasa, just so you know. Prepare. Prepare yourself. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 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 Siblings. I'm making siblings for all your kids. All the people that want one child, you should thank me and that lady in Bali. We're doing, we're doing, you know, we're doing the planet's work here. We're out here creating yeah. family for y'all. Okay. We're fueling the village. That's what we're doing. We're out here. 11. <laughs> Bye, folks. <laughs> Ooh, that was lovely. <laughs> I enjoyed it. She is so funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was a great. She's got such a big personality. It's so easy to chat to Sia. That was really awesome. I was a bit nervous because I was like, oh, you know, I don't really know Sia that much. And then I was like, mm, no, actually, she's very personable. There we go. She's very, very personable, which made it super easy. Yeah, no, definitely. It made you feel like she was your friend too. And like, I was like mm -hmm. more nervous because it's like none of us are mothers either. Um, like we're great mm -hmm. aunties, but at the same time, I was like, oh, like, I don't know what questions to ask, but she just made it really easy. And like, I really appreciated her sharing like her vulnerability of her story um, and just being like, it's not black and white. I love that about that because it does need to be addressed a lot more. And so I appreciated her sharing that. Yeah. Is that your takeaway? Cool. Oh, my takeaway is, um, I think like as more as when I talk with my friends and things like that, and like them being mothers, um, and just seeing like how much mothers really need community, I think, um, hearing her say that, because a lot of times it is just like, you know, like that boss mom thing, where it's like, you know, do everything to be everything. And it's like, you should be able to take care of your responsibilities. But it's like, our mental health is important. And I think that um, her saying that and expressing that it's like superheroes also need help and it's like it's true I think that that narrative has been pushed so much especially for African women it's like you've seen your mothers do everything you know you see your aunts do everything and it's like but at the same time they had a community around them and her expressing mm -hmm. that I think that was my takeaway of like how can I also best be a community for my friends after hearing her story but then also like making sure I push that when I do want to have kids mm -hmm. um, that's a really good takeaway um I think my takeaway um, was from Sia's experience about like, you know, this like, this like consideration of how to have a kid or like, you know, why you're having a kid as well. I find, I, I found a lot of comfort in that because I even feel now that like, I'm still on the fence. I'm like, do I want to have a kid? Do I not? Even though I kept saying 11, yeah, period. <laughs> we're here um right but like I don't know I don't know if I want to have 11 kids like I said I don't know if I'll be able to but just that space to be able to 
know that these questions are, you know, valid. And like, you know, these are some of the experiences that people have. And, you know, just to shed a little bit of light on that, because I also don't have any friends that have kids right now. Um, and, you know, the only people who had kids were either the ones that I was nannying for or people at home. And so it's also a little bit weird to be like, oh, if I do have kids, am I going to be the first one to have kids? Like, how much of support do I really, am I able to galvanize at that point, especially since I want to go live in the woods? Like, you know, how am I going to be able to do that? So I'm glad that there's space. And I hope that there's more and more spaces, because if I eventually do become, you know, a mom through giving birth to my own kids, um, I would like for there to be somebody who's like, hey, here's also this program and this thing. So that's my takeaway. Nice. Um, my takeaway, and this is my public health, population health, past postpartum nurse, is postpartum depression is a real thing. I think just really having more conversations around it. And I love the fact that she was like, it may happen right away. It may happen two years later. And I think that that's a conversation that needs to continue to happen. Transitioning to motherhood is like nothing you've ever been prepared for. I, I, I'm not a mother, but I just have seen it and being like, oh, you have a literal crying thing that you cannot just be like, mm, I'm gonna return to the pound. I'm gonna return to the SP. No, you can't do that. Like you have to like step up in ways that you never had before. And that it does take a mental toll. So I... 100% always, you know, therapy, uh, leaning on your friends, uh, being like venting, just getting that, that, those feelings out there, those thoughts out there is huge. And if you don't have that person, I will be that person for you. I will, I will take that. So that's my takeaway for that. Al, you have a lot of, you have a lot of the DMs there already. People are going to be DMing you like, ah, oh, so I have a, so uh, I actually want to be like a hoe. Can you help me too? <laughs> or like, I actually want to learn how to online date. Can you help me too? DM out all your questions. <laughs> Ask Elle. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, you just no, start a thing. Ask Elle. No shame, no judgment, no condemnation. It's always my thing. It's the banner of my, of my existence. So yes, I mean, I can have an Ask Elle segment. I can just do that. We can sit there. Oh gosh, I never mind. I'm not. I'm not even gonna get into that. I can see it. I can see it happening. That's not, let's move on. Let's let's debut from this. Okay. Uh, it was a lovely talk. I'm excited for next episode. But and where can we find us? Where can we find us? Yeah. Um, on Instagram at Black Women Connects Vancouver, or you can go to Girl You Know It, um, girl dot you know it, and our website, blackwomenconnectvancouver.com. And uh, yeah, stay tuned, subscribe, like, share, have more of this conversation. <laughs> uh, what are you doing? We cut it. <laughs> well, no, bye folks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's always amazing to get an opportunity to chat with these lovely ladies. So if you're looking to follow us off of the podcast and you're looking to catch up with some of the content that we have, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube, all at Black Women Connect Vancouver. And we also have a website for you at blackwomenconnectvancouver.com. 
which is where you can sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so you can keep updated with our growth and all of the other events that we have planned for you. Catch you later. Bye.